Cool. So I'm going to just maybe start off by, by sharing something that I actually think the majority of people, except for maybe a, a group of guys within the church, um, might not know this about me. Um, and, and I think part of sharing it is just also to, to ground, like what I'm going to be preaching on is something that, that I've had to actually journey on and battle myself as well. And so, just a, a shortened version of this. Um, so, I was exposed to pornography at the age of about 11, 12 years old. And from that stage, it became a, an increasing, like, big thing and prominent thing in my life and actually had such a hold fast on me. And later on in high school, really started actually following the Lord and there, were, there was a while where I felt freedom from this thing, and then just slowly again, like it had got this grasp on me. And there was a stage actually in, in high school where um, I got caught out. Like my parents came across stuff on the computer, and it was the, the most awkward day of my life. Um, and for those of you who know my mom, you can think how shattered she was. <laughs> Her little boy <laughs> caught up in this stuff. Um, and that kind of shock, that kind of being, my sin being exposed has a way of putting you in your place, but only for a little while if you don't actually deal with the core issue. And so for a while, things went better, and then it started going downhill again. And now it's like something's been in the light and it's happening again, so it's, it's more of a thing to actually try and keep this thing closed. So after school, I ended up going to TMT, Bible school, even at Bible school, struggling with this thing, like finding myself falling back into it. Holidays, when I go back home, God, just things just having a hold fast. And it was only around the age of about 21, um, here in Stellenbosch, walking with a few guys, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to some of the things that I think played a big role in bringing victory to me, that, that I experienced complete victory in this area where there hasn't been any further holdfast on this. And like I said, I'm, I'm sharing this just to also say I, I can empathize with people in, in this regard. Like, I had years and years and years of, of fight in this. And so I don't just want it to be that as we consider it, it's like, oh, this person has never struggled with, with something like this before. And so I want us to consider a, a few different things. And one of the things that I, I just thought to, to touch on, and, and this was a big turning point for me, is the way that we actually see sin and addiction. So I was trying to, to think of, an, of a way to communicate this. So bear with me with this example. But So I think a, a number of you would have been at, at the house that we stay. So we've been staying in Martinez and Sal's house, which is really, really nice and nice for hosting. And we've had a number of people in and out the house over the time. But one thing you'll probably know is we, we like to serve good coffee. But let's say you arrive at a house and we, we open up the cupboard and there's this expired tin of coffee. And, and I start telling you guys, like, this is disgusting. I don't even know why this is in our house. It's like, who drinks this kind of stuff? It is, it is really gross. And then I open up the drawer and I take out my deluxe coffee and I put on my grinder and I'm like, 
oh, this is the good stuff. Like, this is the only thing that we enjoy. Compared to this, it's like, you, it's like two different things. You can't even compare it. And then I pour you your coffee, and you leave, and later on you come back, and you see I'm busy making myself a cup of this coffee. You'll think like, oh, this is strange. And you, you come back a later day, because we tend to hand out the code to our gate, and you walk downstairs, and you see, but yeah, I'm... I'm making a, a cup of, of coffee again. It's like, it's like you're saying this thing, you can't even compare it. You're saying that this is disgusting. Like the language you're using around this is it's gross. And you're saying that this thing is so much better, but yet you're drinking coffee the whole time. <laughs> and so it's, it's not, like obviously not a, a full um, metaphor for, for what I'm saying, but just the point I'm trying to bring across is, is like we can say that God is better. We can say that God satisfies us. We can say that sin is gross, and uh, it's like, I want nothing to do with sin. But our actions show where our heart really is. Our actions show what we truly believe. And that was one of the big things that hit me and and was part of the the change that took place in my life, where I I listened to something where, where someone said, in, in Psalm 16, it speaks, it says, um, in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand, pleasures forevermore. And this person was saying, it's like, as you are choosing to give into pornography and into lust, you are saying that this thing is bringing you more joy, more pleasure than God. And that hit me. It's like, it's a, it's a different ball game than just trying to suppress certain feelings. Like it's, it's not just about my behavior that's determined by social norms. Social norms say I'm, I'm not supposed to be watching pornography. Social norms or church culture say I'm not supposed to be drinking or smoking or gambling or any of these things. It's like it's a completely different thing where I phrase it in that way that this thing that I'm giving myself to, I'm saying it is better than God. I'm saying it brings me more security than God does. And it's quite a test, though. It's like, if we say that God is our peace, and then times of stress come and we find ourselves reverting to smoking, reverting to drinking, we say that God is love and God God is acceptance. But when we challenge with loneliness, do you just turn to people? Do you turn to relationships or or sexual relations to try and fill that gap. And just to drive this thing home, it's like, at its core, sin is an active disbelief in God and what He has set out to be good. It's not just a set of behaviors. The second thing that that really hit me during this time, and if we can quickly consider two scriptures, so Psalm 24 Verse 3 to 4. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully. Then Matthew 5, verse 8. said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And during this time where I was I was like considering these things, I I realized I, I do have a genuine desire to 
to grow in my relationship with God. I do have a genuine desire to see God. But as these scriptures point out, it's like my sin, my filthiness of hands and of heart limits from what I can see of God. My impurity and my giving myself to these things are, are causing me to not be able to see the goodness and the greatness of God. The third thing in Hebrews 3, verse 12 and 13. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another today, as long as it is today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So there's this, this story that I've tried fact-checking and it's a, the consensus is that it is true, but it's a story about the Eskimos and how they would catch wolves. So it, it said that a seal is easy to catch, a wolf is difficult to catch. So they would catch a seal and, and kill the seal, and they would freeze the seal's blood around a very sharp knife. And they would put the knife somewhere outside, and as the blood starts melting, it's like the, the smell is quite prominent and the wolves would come and they would smell that there's this blood which they would be attracted to and they would start licking this blood. But the blood, it's this huge, like, huge frozen ice block. So as they start licking this, this blood, their tongue becomes numb. So it's like they have the smell, they have the sensation around enjoying fresh seal blood. And so they continue licking, continue licking, and they, their tongue loses its, its senses completely. And eventually they get to where the blade is, and they don't feel that the blade is cutting themselves, so they continue licking. And now that they're licking the blade, their tongue starts bleeding, and there's fresh blood and not this frozen blood, so they just continue until they actually bleed out. It's, like a, it's a very, very hectic picture. <laughs> um, and, but like the first time I heard that it was really striking for me and it's I think this is actually one of the better metaphors when it comes to sin and the severity of sin it's like it, it promises you something and then it numbs you to the reality and it leads you to death and that's the thing. It's like, it's like my experience with, with pornography specifically was you give yourself to this. There's the initial period where you, you might feel conviction, but you suppress it, you suppress it, you suppress it, and then after a while it goes away. And it's not because the Lord has stopped putting his finger on it. It's because I've become hardened and numb to him actually speaking. And it's this thing. It's like as you become numb, it just becomes easier and easier and easier to give yourself to sin. I don't know if you guys have had the experience, but even in the kitchen, like if you, if after it's been cleaned properly and there's one thing that's out of place, you can feel it. <laughs> but once there's like three or four dishes standing around, there's some crumbs lying here and there, it just becomes so much simpler to put another thing and, and leave it or to put something else and forget about it. We've at least got Carl in our house, which makes sure that nothing st stands around. <laughs> We, we are quickly, it's quickly brought to our attention if it is. Um, but I, I think it's like that with sin as well. It's, it's like as you start giving yourself to it, 
it just becomes so much easier for other things to creep in. It's like as I'm struggling with something like pornography, if you're struggling with something like gambling or addiction to other substances, then it's like, what's, like, why do I need to watch my tongue? It's like, what's gossip compared to this thing? And it's like slowly but surely, these things just start accumulating and accumulating within our lives. And so just to recap again on the, these three things with regards to the nature of sin. Number one, it's, it's a disbelief in God. Number two, it keeps us from walking in what God has for us. And number three, it actually hardens us and opens us up to even more sin. And so just thinking also um, and, and considering and praying a bit for, for us and like asking what are the typical things that actually prevent us from, from dealing with sin. And I want to highlight two, two specific ones. And the first is religion. And this is actually something that, that Carl has been, been teaching on with regards to, to our walk with God and, and things. But religion is concerned with the outward actions. What I can do, what other people can see. It's, it's an easy thing to pinpoint and, and to make notes of and to think I'm doing well if I'm doing this or I'm doing bad if I'm, I'm doing something else. And what religion does when it comes to sin it says, I first need to fix myself before I can come to God or before I can come to other people. And so there's this lie that starts creeping in that now all of a sudden, it's like, I am the one that is able to fix myself. And I don't know what your experience is like, but for me it was always, it's like, Okay, God, I'm, I'm willing to share with other people that this is what I'm struggling with, but I first just want to make some progress at least. <laughs> like, I first just want to overcome this a little bit to show, like, I, I did struggle, but I've done something. Or just in the way that I would approach God, it's, it's like I have this, this feeling of guilt and a feeling that I first need to prove myself. I first need to have X amount of time without giving my, myself to pornography before I can come to God. And the second thing that religion tries to do, because it's concerned with outward actions, is it tries to put rules and regulations for yourself in place to prevent sin. In Colossians 2 verse 23, it's just after Paul speaks about like making these rules of do not touch, do not taste, where he says these things have... Uh, an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion, but they are, of, they are of no value in stopping the indulgences of the flesh. And that's the thing with rules. It's like I can determine my actions to a certain degree, but the real problem is in here. So in my first year at university, there was there was a, a guy who came to know the Lord um, in, in the rares that we were and didn't come from a Christian background at all. He was um, smoking a lot of marijuana and cigarettes. And in coming to know the Lord, he got set free from, from smoking marijuana, but he still really struggled with cigarettes. So at a stage, he would write down scriptures on his hand <laughs> 
so that when he takes out a cigarette to smoke, that he would see the scripture and feel, feel bad to stop smoking. <laughs> and once or twice this might work, but then after a while, you're just like, oh, screw it. <laughs> and he'll, he'll go for it. And then after that, you sit with the guilt. It's like, this thing that I put in place and I went against it. Um, but it's just all of these practices that we put in place, it's like they're actually not of use to, to cure the indulgences, the desires of the flesh. It's like we, we attempt to change our behavior where the actual change that needs to take place is within our hearts. The second big area that prevents us from actually walking in freedom is keeping our sin in the darkness. Like sin flourishes in darkness. Sin flourishes in lies. And it will always be a fight. Like it will always be a fight. I think no matter how long you walk with the, the Lord too, to come to the place where I share this with other people, it's, it's a big thing. And I think, like, just reflecting also, like, what makes it difficult to share areas that we struggle with? And the one is pride. It's like, I've got a certain picture that I'm putting up to other people. I've established this image, like, this is who I am in church. This is who I am in the workplace or towards my family. And to admit that I'm struggling with something. And I mean, this, what I'm speaking about here can range from simple, I'm, I'm addicted to eating. I'm addicted to, to being on my phone. Or I've, I've got an issue with pornography or with drinking or with whatever it might be. And actually acknowledging that before other people, it's, it's like, oh, but it's going to mess up the picture that they have of me it's like that's pride it's like you you trying to keep up a front while there's actually an issue within the heart the second thing that i think keeps us in darkness and keeps us from bringing things into the light is the fear of other people rejecting us and we heard one of the, the guys within the congregation earlier this year also just share some of, some of that, that experience of the fear, like how are people going to treat me if I do bring this into the light? But then we read in, in 1 John 1 verse 6 to 7, it says, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' the Son cleanses us from all sin. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. It's like a necessity for genuine relationship, for genuine fellowship in the way that God has called it to be, requires us to walk in the light. It requires us to be vulnerable and real about where we are at and what we are struggling with. And unless you come to that place of being willing to share with other people, you're not actually going to experience proper fellowship in the way that God has intended it to be. 
confession is a necessity to walk in freedom. And I think it's like that's one of the things that I also used to to tell myself. It's like, okay, I can bring this before God. I can try and deal with this. I don't have to involve other people with, within this whole process. And then we read in Scripture where it says, it's like, confess your sins one to another that you might receive healing. And there's something about the confession of our sins, the confession of our weaknesses to each other that God uses to bring about restoration within us. Another thing that I think becomes increasingly difficult is, is where you've shared something. It's like, okay, cool. And this, this is what happened to me at, while I was at TMT. It's like, for the first time, I was completely honest about this is what my history is. This is the background. This is the things I've been struggling with. This is where I'm at at the moment. And there was a period of time where things went better. And then things took a dip again. And now it's a thing of like, I've shared with people, they've walked it out with me, they've prayed for me, they've done all these kinds of things, and here I find myself again in the same place. And it's almost more humiliating than the first time I shared it. And then it's so much easier to withdraw and to stay in darkness. And then to get to the point like, okay, <laughs> sharing it, and then finding myself at that place again. And it's like that's a tough place to be where now all of a sudden shame and guilt and condemnation creeps in. And it, it prevents you from actually sharing. And the problem with that is also where, where shame and condemnation creeps in. It actually creates another void that is most likely going to be filled by your addiction again. And it was an interesting thing for me as well. It's like guilt at a stage became like self-inflicted punishment. It's like I would, I would give myself to watching pornography and then I would make the feelings of guilt so much worse because it feels like I'm at least punishing myself in this regard. And then what does that lead to? It's like I'm, I'm self-inflicting punishment, not looking at the grace and forgiveness of God. It's making me feel bad about myself. What makes me feel better? <laughs> Running to my sin again. It's like, but this is not the way of God. The way of God is for us to walk in the light and to bring freedom. And that's the crazy like, the longer I walk with God, it's like the more you see, the more you hear people's stories, the more it, it just stands out for me. How crazy the story is about grace. And if we look at the Bible, we, we see how like from the beginning it's pointed out how we fall short of God's glory. How Constantly, throughout history, people find an expression for the sinfulness. Whether in modern days it's, it's watching pornography, giving ourselves in sexual immorality, gambling, what, like whatever it might be. It's like the Bible has been noting human nature and the expression of sin 
throughout history. And it tells the story of Jesus becoming man, living a sinless, perfect life, the life that we should have lived, and then going to the cross and taking all of our sin, all of our brokenness, the guilt, the price that we were meant to pay, he took on himself. He died in our place. He was rose, and he rose again. And it gives us the opportunity to receive grace, to receive freedom, and to receive that by turning to him and putting our trust and our faith in him, and not by trying to earn it, not by trying to work this thing out and, and like stripping ourselves of these things, but by turning to him. And that's the foundation of this. And if you are sitting here this morning and you have not come to know Jesus, it is impossible to experience freedom outside of him. You might stop watching pornography. You might stop giving yourselves to certain substances. But unless the heart changes, it's just going to find a different expression again. 